So we are in the midst of a study in the book of Romans. We're going from chapter 12 to chapter 15 throughout the summer. Um, This is in the middle of ordinary time where the emphasis is living out faith. And Romans is set up in that way. Chapters 1 through 11 give a lot of theology and identity in what Christ did and who he's made us to be. And in chapter 12, Paul says, therefore, because of the mercies of God, because of everything that he did here, live like this. And that's where we're at. Live like this. Um, And we're in this series called Held Together by Mercy. All about relationships. Here is you. Here is some relationship you have. The string between the two is God's mercy. Treat somebody like this because of what God has done for you. Do this because of what God has done for you. Not necessarily because that person deserves it. Not necessarily because you want to do it, but because God has done it for you. When you were God's enemy, Christ died for you. When you wanted nothing to do with God, he came after you. You be the same. Give that kind of mercy to others in your relationships. And we're talking about relationships with other believers, with non-believers, with authority figures, with enemies, all these different relationships. This morning, it's with those who persecute you. What is our relationship to those who persecute us? You pray with me. Heavenly Father, as we continue in this wonderful book of Romans, Lord, teach us, uh, open our hearts up, God, as we come here with the various things that are going on in our lives that might distract us, might keep us from hearing your word, uh, might make us bitter inside. Lord, would you take all of that, remove it, and help us to hear from you today by your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Wednesday, I was at Central Market, and I'm having a wonderful cup of coffee, and I am studying this passage. And I spent about two hours just kind of pouring over this passage in Romans that starts out, bless those who persecute you. That's hard. I mean, just that line, that is hard. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Well, I spent about two hours, like I said, studying this passage, just going into this passage. And then I headed off to a meeting. And I get on 190, I'm heading west, toward the North Dallas toll road. And when you get to Preston, if you're in the far right lane, that lane ends, and you have to merge. And I'm in that far right lane. And I'm starting to get over because the lane is ending. And if I don't get over, there's a wall right there that I would run into. But as I start to merge, I see kind of in my blind spot, somebody's pacing me. Their front tires are lined up with my back tires. And as it's getting closer, I'm thinking, at any point now, they're going to slow down, right? That would be the nice thing to do. They're going to give me room because, like, I'm way out in front of them. And they're not slowing down. And I can't really speed up. I'm in a hybrid car, and I'm already doing 70, and there's no more power um, at that point. And so I do the only thing I can. I slam on my brakes, and they go by me. And I blessed them. As hard as I could on that horn, I blessed them. The other fist was in the air and choice words were coming out. And I thought to myself, 
I couldn't go five minutes <laughs> blessing those who persecute me. I mean, I just spent two hours studying this passage, and I'm not even five minutes away, and I'm already going after them. This is hard. All right, I'm going to tell you up front, this is one of the hardest passages we're going to study in Romans. Bless those who persecute you. How do you do that? How do you bring yourself to overcome all those feelings of injustice, hurt, uh, the thought that like if I don't do something, it's just going to keep happening to me? I mean, all these things that we want to do to get back at those who are persecuting us. How do you do that? Open up your Bible to Romans chapter 12. Um, and actually, before we do that, um, take a look at your bulletin real quickly. Um, I gave you a translation because there are a couple of things in the passage that are hard to see in English. Um, number one, this whole passage is in the plural. All of the commands, they're not to you or you, they are to y'all, right? which is really hard to see in English because our you and our you are the same. But in Greek, you see it. It's a command where he's talking to the church. And number two, if you read through this passage, all of the verbs are commands going throughout the English. And it's hard to figure out what to emphasize and what is what. However, if you look at the translation that I gave you here, the bold words, those are imperatives. Those are actually bless, go do this. All the other verbs in this passage are participles. They are things like, and I know for many of you that means absolutely nothing, but they are words like this. Running to the store, I fell down. That word running at the beginning, that's not your main verb. Right? The I fell down is your main verb. The rest of the verbs throughout this passage are participles, right? which here's the point I want to make with this. When you read through this passage in English, it is hard to find where the emphasis is. What it sounds like is just a ton of commands, one after the other. Paul didn't write it that way. Hey, there are some specific commands that drive everything else. That's what the translation is meant to show you. Hey, so let me read the Texas translation of Romans 12. All y'all bless those who are in the midst of persecuting you. Bless them and do not curse them. Bless them by rejoicing when they are rejoicing and weeping when they are weeping, as a group having the same thinking among you all. Not the high thinking of yourselves, but the low thinking about yourselves that lets you associate with everyone. Here's the second emphasis. None of you all be wise in the sight of your group by giving evil for evil back to others but instead giving only what is good in the sight of all men, thereby being at peace with all men, if possible, not one of you all taking your own revenge, brothers, but you all give place. There's another verb. All right, that's the other emphasis there. Give place to the wrath. In English, it's not the wrath of God. It's just the wrath. Right? For it is written, my vengeance I will pay back. And that is very strong in Greek. My vengeance I will pay back, says the Lord. Whereas you all, if your enemy hungers, feed him. If thirsty, give him drink. 
For in doing so, doing so, coals of fire you will heap on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil by good. That's this passage. It is to the entire church. It is talking to them as a group. It means as an individual you have a responsibility, but don't miss the fact that he's talking to you all the whole time through. And he has some very specific things that he says. Two driving verbs take this passage over, and that's what we want to look at. Here's the first thing. What does he call us to do? To be a blessing to everybody, no matter what. Just let that sink in for a minute. Be a blessing to everybody, no matter what. Go ahead and look at your text. We'll go back to the ESV here. Romans chapter 12. Or if you want to stay on the all, y'all, you can do that too. Romans chapter 12, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. The persecute you there is a bless those who are right in the midst of persecuting you. Like you're in the middle of it. The blessing that Paul is commanding the church to do, it's not like bless the person who persecuted you yesterday. Bless the person who's persecuted you sometime, but you're over it now. It is bless the person or the group or the organization or whatever it is that's right in the middle of persecuting you. They are causing you distress. They are causing something in your life that is wrong or off or hurtful or something. They're doing something to you. They're doing something to us as a church. Bless them. And and here's the blessing that he's referring to in this first verse. Pray for God's favor for these people. Paul says, I want you to pray for the people who are mistreating you. I want you to pray for the people who are harming you in some way. They are persecuting you. Pray for them. But not only pray for them. Keep going. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. See, it's one thing to, at a distance, say, all right, fine. I'm going to pray for those people who have been mean to me. Paul says, no, I want you to go further. I want you to actually be a blessing to them. Whatever they're going through, see if you can be with them in it. If they are weeping, I want you to weep with them. If they are rejoicing, I want you to rejoice with them. I want you to actually rejoice with the person who's harming you when something good happens to them. I want you to be a blessing to them. And on top of that, he goes even further. Keep going. Um, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Hey, he's got these like ideas of categories. You and I, we have some categories. I, I know you do because I do. There are people that whether we like it or not, we think less of. There are certain people we hold up here There are certain people that are lower. There are certain people we didn't want to be with. We have our categories. And maybe those categories are related to an issue of respect. Maybe there's somebody that has done something to you and you just have no respect for them and they're down here for you. Maybe, and I would hate to say this, especially going on in our country right now, maybe it has to do with race and you'd never admit it to somebody. But down inside you have some racism in you. Maybe it's gender related. Maybe it's something with your past that you look at certain people in a certain way. But there's categories. 
We all have them to some degree. Paul says, fine, but I want you to put yourself in the lowest category so that nobody's above you and there's nobody that you can't bless. Put you all in the lowest category. And that way, everybody else is above you and you can bless them all. You can pray for them, you can be with them, you can be that blessing with them. That is hard. If you are sitting there listening to me and you're going, yeah, amen, that's, that's what I do, then man, I wanna talk to you afterwards because <laughs> this is hard. Let me give you an example of, of what it looks like. In the early to kind of not quite mid-1800s, but 1825 to 1835 in that range, um, there's a missionary. His name was Alan Gardner. He spent most of his life sharing the gospel. He traveled thousands of miles through South Africa, South America, New Guinea. And this guy just spent his life trying to share the gospel. And there are two things that happened to him that just so live out what we are talking about. The first is this. At least two times as he went to share the gospel, he was hindered. Um, here's what happened in one instance. He was in New Guinea, and he was denied permission to go share the gospel with the natives there by one of the high-ranking religious officials. And here's what the official said. You might as well try to instruct the monkey as the natives. Don't interfere with the natives. They'll never be any different. The view was so low that this official actually kept him from going and sharing the gospel because they were down here and they were just not worthy of it. The response of Alan Gardner, and by the way, he never went and shared the gospel because he was forbidden to do it to this particular group. He said, they are men, not animals, and they are included in our Savior's command to preach the gospel to every human being. That's when you put yourself down here and lift everybody else up. That's the attitude that he says, this is what I want you to have with everybody. His last missionary trip, the one he would die on, on that trip, he went to the people that Charles Darwin called the lowest examples of the human race. That was his quote about these individuals. These are the people that Alan Gardner went to. And while he was there, he brought a small group with him, tried to share the gospel. The only thing he got from the people living there is they would steal from Alan Gardner and the other missionaries. They would steal their food. They would steal supplies from them. And ultimately what ended up happening is they had more supplies coming, but the supplies that were coming were based off the original supplies that they brought. Well, with the natives stealing everything from them, all of the people on that trip would die of starvation. This is a journal entry from Alan Gardner that was picked up when the ship finally got there with supplies. This is what he wrote. If I faint or die here, I beg of you, O Lord, that you would lift others up and send more workers to this great harvest field. To the people persecuting him and the people around him, all he could say as he's dying of starvation is God send more people to these people. That is blessing those who persecute you, 
even when they are considered the lowest example of the human race. That's what we're called to. That's this command that Paul gives. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. How do we do that? That's the second part. How in the world can we actually live that out? Look back at your text. We're kind of in the middle of a verse here. No, we're not kind of. We are in the middle of a verse. Uh, Verse 16b. Um, Here's how you do it. By trusting in God's vengeance. The way that you are a blessing to others is by trusting in God's vengeance. Which is not something you're going to hear me say too often. In fact, I've probably never said it before. Um, We tend to speak a little bit more about God's grace and his love and his mercy, and yet, according to Paul, we're trusting in God's vengeance. Look at this with me. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil. But give thought to what, you, to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Brothers, nev- beloved, never avenge yourselves. But leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, now he's going back to what he said in the beginning. If your enemy is hungry, bless him, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him something to drink. Hey, and I'm going to stop there for a moment before reading the rest. Hey, here's what Paul says. When you are persecuted, when something happens to you or you are mistreated, we all, to some degree, want to respond. We want to figure out how to make this person stop, hurt this person, get revenge, do something to this person. Paul's first thing that he says is don't be wise in your own eyes. He says this, stop trusting yourself to get this done. You think that when you're being persecuted, you know the best plan to get out of it. You think you know the best way to stop this person, to get back at this person. He says, stop being wise in your own eyes. Stop trying to give evil back to evil. Instead of trusting yourself and thinking that you know it all, that you know what this person is thinking, you know their motives, you know why they're doing this, you know how to stop them. You know that the action you take against them will produce the best results. We don't know those things. He says, instead of doing all of that, you bless them, but give them to the wrath of God. Can you trust God with your enemy? Can you trust God with the one who is persecuting you? Can you say, this person is doing something to me, this organization is doing something to me, but instead of going after them, I am gonna pray for them, I'm gonna be a blessing to them when I can, but I'm not just saying, you know, I'm so glad you're hurting me. I'm so glad you're treating me unfairly. I am so happy that my life is awful because of you. No, I'm blessing you because God has told me to do that, but I am trusting that God is going to handle the situation. God is going to do what's necessary. God will take whatever 
action, whatever vengeance, whatever revenge, whatever, whatever it is, whatever transformation, God is gonna do that. And I'm gonna trust him with it. That's how we do it. Not by ignoring that something bad is happening to us. Right, that would be crazy. You can't just pretend you're not getting hurt. You can't just pretend there's not persecution. What you can do is you can trust God instead of yourself. You can trust his wisdom instead of your wisdom. That's what Paul calls us to. And our only act of judgment, you ready for this? Is to bless them. That's our act of judgment. That is how we heap coals on somebody's head. How? Think of it like this. Imagine the person you know that is in the wrong who goes after somebody else and the person they go after, instead of retaliating and showing that the case this person has against them is right, they just bless this person. What does it show about this person who's persecuting them? I'm not even going to acknowledge your case. I'm just gonna be good to you. Okay, you are showing the judgment of God on this person by doing what he's saying, blessing them, not cursing them, not persecuting them back, not avenging them. That's what God calls us to. Um, I worked for this company um, a number of years back. And um, the company, for, for a lot of years, was not doing real well. Uh, they had kind of, they're, they're going down. It, it was not the best situation. And they really didn't know what to do. How do, we, how do we get back in the game kind of thing? And so eventually what they did is they hired a group to come in to consult. A group that does, the, I mean, this is what they do. They go into companies and they look at the company, they examine the company, and they help come up with how do we fix it? What do you need to do differently? What are you doing wrong? Can we point out things you're not seeing? Well, after going through all of this thing, a week or two afterwards, I'm talking to a friend of mine, John, who is higher up in the company. And he's really not very happy. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, we just had this group come in and they're gonna help turn this company around. You know, what's there not to be happy about? And so I start talking with him. And he says, I wanna tell you what's going on and why I'm upset. We fired the company that told us what to do. We brought them in. They showed us all the ways we could change, how we could do it. We fired them because we don't think they're right. And this is the fourth time that we've done it. Said, so here we are going through these things and our company is not doing what we want and we don't know what to do about it, but we're gonna keep trusting ourselves instead of this company or any of the companies who do this for a living, who come in and they evaluate companies and they help them get out of what they're going through. We're going to keep trusting ourselves. Does that sound logical to anybody in the room? And why do we do it? Why do we keep thinking that we can handle these situations better than God can? Why do we keep thinking that, that he's not gonna do as well as we can? I gotta take this on me and I gotta fix this because God's not gonna do it. That's what we do. And Paul is saying, stop trusting your own wisdom and trust in God. But then he gets to the heart of the issue. 
it runs deeper than all of this. It runs deeper than you being persecuted. It runs deeper than your blessing. It runs deeper than the trust. There's a reason for this. Look at how he ends this passage. Verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's the actual crux of the issue. Here's what Paul is saying. It's not about the person persecuting you, honestly. It's not about where you being mistreated or that company or that group or that whatever it is. It's not about that. It's about you. It's about the church body. It's about a battle going on that is not about you getting right or, or you getting not persecuted or them getting what they deserve, but about you not becoming them. This is a battle about your soul, about your spiritual life, about you not giving in to the very evil that is being done against you. Paul says, don't let evil conquer you. Don't let that persecution change you. Don't let it make you what they are. That is more important. You can be overcome by the very evil that is going after you. Right? Let me show you what it looks like. Um, I've got two young boys. Uh, they fight a little bit, like all the time. They knock each other over. They cause each other issues. They're screaming and crying. And, and like, that was bad, but it got worse when we moved into a 1,200-square-foot, two-bedroom apartment that we've been living in for the last month. There's nowhere to hide. Whatever sounds they make, you can hear them at any point in the apartment. Because there's a room here and a room here, and they're really tiny, and one little room in between. It's called the living room that's the size of a closet. And you just can't, like, you can't get away from them. And occasionally, while they're doing their thing, it's irritating. And the other morning, my two-year-old just wouldn't stop. And really loudly, he is just asking me something over and over and over and over and over again. And finally, I slammed my hands onto the countertop. I looked at him and I said, shut up! Now, we were getting ready to go to church. <laughs> and I was wearing my collar. And my little two-year-old just crocodile tears start coming down his face. And he lost it. And in that moment... I just wilted. Oh my goodness, what have I done? And I know he fakes things, but he wasn't faking that. I mean, I laid into this little two-year-old. Um, I was overcome by the very thing that was coming at me. The, the persecution that was coming at me, I just turned it on him. I went after him like he was coming after me. But in that moment, I could feel it because it was my kid. I knew what I had done. I felt it deep inside of me. It doesn't matter if you don't feel it or not. When you give in to the persecution, that's what's happening to you. You are being conquered by the very thing that you hate. You are being overcome by the very thing 
that, that, is, that is hurting you, that is causing problems in your life, you're becoming it. Paul says, here's how we handle it. You, this is your job, you bless them. You pray for them. You try and help them when you can help them. doesn't matter who it is. And then you give them over to God and you trust God to take care of this. Because if you don't, you may find yourself becoming them. You may find the anger and the hate and the bitterness, the injustice, all of it, overcoming you. That's not what you're called to. You are called to overcome evil with good. And please understand, the point is not that your good in blessing and praying and all those things is necessarily going to change them. It doesn't mean overcoming them. It means overcoming the evil that's trying to conquer you. The way that you overcome evil is by doing good. Not by giving in, not by being neutral, not by pretending it's not happening, but by doing good. Overcome the evil by good. Back in 2002, um, I had just started teaching at Trinity Christian Academy. And we were going on the senior trip, and I got to go. They do the senior trip at the beginning of the year instead of the end because they, they want to, like, bring all the kids together through the trip. And so they put it at the beginning instead of the end. Um, and I'm the new senior Bible teacher, and I got to go with them. So I go on this trip to Colorado. Um, fun trip, great time. I mean, for me, it was like out of the 100 students I was going to have that year, I think I got to know about 50 of them over this, like, four-day period because we're on a retreat together. So it was a great way to start the year and learn names and everything. But one of the things we did is we went on a rafting trip. And I almost died. Literally, I almost died. Um, we go on this trip. And like there's five rafts, I think, on the, the trip, the one that we were on. Um, and, and it's big rafts that hold like maybe 10 people or something like that. And we're going through all the rapids and everything. And as we get toward the end, ours was the only one that never flipped over. And so we get to the end of the trip, and we're kind of joking about this, and our guide says, well, maybe we should just flip then. And we're like, yeah, yeah. And so he flips us. And we go into the water, and it was fine, it was good, except for one thing. Where the, the river was moving, there's kind of a small drop-off. It wasn't much, and we're kind of back here. But the rocks made this curvature, and it created this little spiral of water in one area. When we flipped out, I kind of swam that direction, and one moment I'm above the water, and the next moment, I am under. And I had no idea what happened. I just, suddenly, boom, I am pulled under. It has never happened to me before. Um, and here's what I started doing, freaking out. I mean, I'm just fighting, doing this underwater, and nothing is happening. And there was one kind of moment of divine clarity. And I remembered I was near the rock. I reached out with a leg and I just pushed as hard as I could against that rock. And it was very small, but it, it pushed me enough out that I, that I came up for air. And here's what I thought about. That is the way that I tend to fight persecution. It pulls me under and I just start swinging. And I go crazy. And that is when I'm being overcome by evil. 
That's when I am sinking and I'm not able to get up. And Paul says, no, push away from it. Do good. You can't just fight it. You can't just stay there and kind of be neutral. You've got to get away from it. Push off the rock and do good. In the name of Jesus, push off the rock and do good. Because this is the only way you will ever overcome evil that is trying to overcome you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, if we are to be honest, practically speaking, not cursing those who are persecuting us, not avenging ourselves, not striking back, is so hard. Lord, give us the courage and the faith. Give us the power by the Holy Spirit to truly bless those who persecute us, to trust you to take care of whatever situation we are in so that we aren't overcome by evil. Lord, help us to just hold on to good that we might be victorious in Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.